Hello, and welcome to the media ministry of Glendale Christian Church. We exist as a church to love people like Jesus and equip people to be like Jesus. We find in Luke chapter 14, verse 35, the Word of God says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So with this in mind, open your ears to hear, your mind to understand, and your heart to be renewed and changed. We are getting near to finishing Colossians. Who's excited about that? Uh, We've been in this book for a little while. And uh, last week, Seth talked about God's design for the household. Let me take this gum out. Um, So today we're going to shift our focus into the general call that Paul is calling the entire household of faith to. Okay? So we're going to look at Colossians 4, 2 through 6. So if you have that on your device or your Bible or you want to look up on the screen, I imagine it will be up there. You can read along with me. It says, devote yourselves to prayer, be watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open the door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity and let your conversations always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So today we're going to unpack this a little bit, okay? And I want to start with the very beginning because I love the way Paul starts out. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. So the Greek here for devote yourselves means to attend constantly. To attend constantly. Now think about that for a minute. Is there anything in our lives that we attend to constantly? I mean, really, with all the things we have on our daily checklist, is that even possible? Is it? I mean, if you're anything like me and most of the people I know, you could get rid of 50% of what you have in your plate, and I don't mean your food plate. That's not me referencing my weight. Um, but your busy plate, right? Get rid of 50% and you still wouldn't accomplish what's on it within a 24-hour period. Is that fair to say? So where's the time then within that busyness to attend constantly to prayer, to be devoted to prayer? A study done by Barna.com in January of 2016 targeted ways that American Christians express their faith. The study was done on over 5,000 people representing a broad demographic. And they found that 75% of the people reported that they had prayed in the last week. Not too bad, right? 75% of active Christians had prayed within the past week at least once. When digging deeper, a study done by PewForm.org in 2014 focused on the frequency of prayer in the U.S., and what they did was they had a, a group of over 35,000 people representing 13 different religious groups. And they even break Christianity down to about five. And they asked how frequently they prayed. And they found that 54% of mainline Protestants, which would be us, pray daily. 54% pray daily. That means once in a day. Um, 
Evangelical Protestants, daily prayer increased to 79%, not too bad. Catholics at 59, Orthodox Christians were at 57%. The two highest groups on the list were the Mormons at 85% and the Jehovah's Witnesses at 90%, which happened to be the two fastest growing religious groups in the United States. Because prayer and a commitment to prayer is a pretty big indicator on your commitment to what you believe in. Is that fair to say? If you're spending time in prayer, you're pretty devoted to what you believe. And you know, while we look at this, 54% doesn't seem too bad if prayer is something we ought to do. Right? So 54% of people in our vein of Christianity daily pray. 75% broadly pray in the week. That's not bad if you ought to do it, but last time I checked, a 54% is a what? A failing grade, right? 75% is about average. And I get it, these are only two, but I guarantee you if we looked at a bunch of other studies, we're going to see something similar. All you need to do is look within your own home. And I'm not here to put people down or make you feel bad, but I am here to say that if we're going to be the church that Jesus died for and that Paul fought for, it starts with constantly attending to prayer. That prayer should be as natural as breath. And I don't mean that formal, I'm going to take four hours in my prayer closet. That's good. That's necessary. But I mean that with every breath, with every decision, with every conversation, with every action, I'm in a conversation with God. How many of you guys talk to yourselves? I do. I even argue with myself. I hear that's bad, but, you know, it is what it is. But... That's the kind of conversation God wants us to have with him. You know, I think sometimes we think about God as being far off, but he's where? Right here. In fact, the Holy Spirit dwells within us, right? So God is, is always present in our lives if we're in Christ Jesus. And he wants us to continually be in prayer, to be in step with him. Jesus says the same thing. He told his disciples in Luke 18, 1 through 8, a parable, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them what they sh- that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Did you guys catch what the first verse said? Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So Jesus says, always pray, don't give up. Paul says, be devoted or devote yourselves to prayer. It's the same message. That's because the Bible always says the same thing, right? Amen? And they're powerfully direct statements. It doesn't sound to me like this is an optional thing if we want to walk in step 
with the Spirit, if we want to be in right relationship with God, if we want to be growing in the image of Christ Jesus, we need to be constantly attending to prayer. Paul finishes verse 2 by telling them that they need to be watchful and thankful while they are praying. So don't just be constantly attending to prayer. Don't be devoted to prayer solely. But while you're devoting yourselves to prayer, be watchful and thankful. Is it fair to say that sometimes when we pray, it's kind of an exercise? That we may not be watching for what God's doing or watching for what the enemy's doing? Or we may not be feeling it with sincere thanksgiving? You know, I talked about in first service the idea that Thanksgiving's my favorite holiday, not because of the food, okay, but because I like the idea of giving thanks. And if we were sincere and we were honest and we were writing out a list of the things that we could be thankful for and things that we're discouraged by, the list of thanksgiving would be never-ending because as I'm writing it, I'm thinking I'm thanking God for the fingers that allow me to write, for the education that allowed me to know how to write, for the nerves in my hands, for my brain, for the way that he created me, for the breath that's sustaining me while I'm writing the list. The list wouldn't end, but yet, because there's such devastating things that happen in our life that get on that small short list, sometimes we overlook all the small things on the longer list. And so Thanksgiving is forgotten about. In verse 41, Jesus exhorts Peter during this, in verse 41 of Matthew 26, I'm sorry, They're in Gethsemane, right? And Jesus tells them to go pray while he goes off to pray. And so he comes back, and what happens? You you can talk in churches. Okay, what happens? They're asleep, right? Okay, good. So they're asleep. And Jesus exhorts Peter. He says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch and pray so that you won't fall into temptation. The truth is, temptation is always just around the corner. And Jesus and Paul both are calling us to watch and pray because they know how real the enemy is. You don't have to raise your hands, but this morning when you woke up, how many of you were aware that the enemy was right next to your bed? In the form of a lion walking around in an aggressive posture, looking for an opportunity to pounce? Because that's what he does. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And he's very real, and he's very active. And Jesus knew this. Paul knew this. And they said, you need to watch and you need to pray so you don't fall into temptation. Because the number one thing that Satan uses to destroy us is temptation. And you don't think he knows How to tempt you? You don't think he knows how to whisper into your ear? There's this old um, writing called, uh, like, the 150 devices that Satan uses. It's an old, from the probably 1700s thing, and I was reading through it, and it was kind of cool. just like the bait and switch, you know, and it goes through all these different devices because Peter says, what, we're not unaware of his devices, But the enemy is very real, very active. No one is immune. 
to the voice of the enemy. The only way we're going to avoid falling into temptation is through prayer. Because Jesus is much bigger than the enemy. Amen? But if we're not calling on Jesus, then we aren't calling on the help we need to fight. And that complacency often costs people their lives. And even worse, it can cost them their souls. In the letter to the Philippians, in chapter 4, verse 6 through 7, Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Here Paul is again finishing a letter discussing the importance of what? Constant prayer, right? You notice he says in every situation, not most, not some, not when you think it's important, but in every situation, then he goes on to add with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving. So here again we see prayer, constant prayer, and thanksgiving tied together, And the result of constantly praying with thanksgiving is what? The peace of God guarding our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So when we watch while praying, we are protected from falling into temptation. But when we give thanks in our prayers, we receive peace from God that guards our hearts and minds. How many of you here today could use a little help not falling into temptation? If we're going to be honest, let's raise our hands, right? It's okay. Or maybe you could use God's peace, the peace that surpasses understanding, the peace that doesn't make sense to the world because somebody you care about is, is, is ill, because somebody you know has strayed from their faith, because you can't seem to get things going in the right direction. Because the world around you is falling apart because you're broke, because you're lost. How many of you guys can use this peace of God that guards the heart, the seat of desire, that guards the mind, the place where all thoughts come from in Christ Jesus? We need that. You know, you think about guarding your heart and mind, you have what? The helmet of what? Salvation (laughs) and the breastplate of righteousness. I know I'm saved and I know I'm righteous, not by my works, but by the works of Jesus Christ and my faith in that, right? Guarding those things brings peace because I know no matter what happens here on earth, eventually, eventually, God is going to work all things out for the good of those who love him, who he's called according to his purpose. Amen? That's a big deal today because, you know, what? when I look at the news, I could get really discouraged, Right? When I think about the things that are going on in the lives of people I know, it could be really heartbreaking. But I know this, that when I focus my prayers on giving thanks to God, I can have peace. Because I see that really long list that keeps writing itself. So if you're struggling in either of those areas, then your next step is this. Recommit to devoted prayer, being watchful and giving thanks to God. It's that simple. It really is that simple, people. All we have to do is do what God says. You know, I think a lot of times we struggle because in our our country we want to be big, loud, and exciting, and prayer is none of those things. But the result of prayer is profound. 
And I think what's happened is in, in, in a Western culture where efficiency and effectiveness and busyness have taken over, prayer has taken a back seat. Recommit. We want to be more here at Glendale about action. You know, you don't want to just be hearers, but doers of the word, right? Action is, as we, as we go through today, you're going to hear opportunities to take a step. And everybody has a different next step. And all these things may be a potential next step. you got to figure out which one you can commit to. But we're asking you to commit to one. So maybe for you today, it's being more devoted to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And this could be the whole sermon, but guess what? Paul doesn't stop here. After Paul does this, he asks for them to pray for him, which is kind of crazy when you think about what he asked for the prayer, because where's Paul? He's in prison. Right, He's waiting to see Caesar because he appealed as a Roman citizen. He's in prison because of the gospel. And he asks them to pray for him. And in verse 3, he asks them to pray that God would open doors for them to proclaim the message, the mystery of Christ, the gospel, right? Now think about this. This seems counterintuitive. You're in prison for what you're asking God to open doors for you to do. But on the other side, you think, well, it's Paul. Of course Paul would ask that. And, and, you know, Paul is just a person. There's nothing special about Paul in and of himself. He'll say that, but we expect Paul to respond that way. Why? Because time after time after time after time, Paul's faithfulness to the mission that God put before him has been made known to us. So we expect a Paul, while in prison for preaching the gospel, to ask for prayers from the church that he might have more opportunity to preach the gospel. But that's because he had faith. That's the only reason. It's nothing special about Paul. God chose Paul. It says what? God chooses the foolish things of this world to put the wise to shame. It was a foolish idea to take a Pharisee and turn him into a missionary. But God did it. But think about it. He could be asking for a lot of stuff. He could be asking for what? Comfort, freedom, mercy, revenge. He says, I just want to keep doing the work. Open doors. It's hard sitting here in this prison cell. It's hard here on house arrest. But I want, I want to keep sharing the message. That's what you gave me to do. And then he goes on to ask that they would pray that he would proclaim that message clearly. And I think, like, Paul needs help with that? Wait, Paul needs help. Paul wants prayers that he would proclaim the gospel message clearly. When I read Paul, it's pretty clear what he has to say. He's pretty direct. He's pretty articulate. In fact, he may be the most articulate writer in the New Testament. Yet he has the humility to ask for prayers that he would preach the message clearly. And it's crazy. So I love this. He demonstrates confidence in God's ability to open doors and humility in asking that he speak clearly as those doors get opened. What if we began to pray this prayers for ourselves and for each other? I mean, when's the last time you prayed for this to happen? I mean, we look around and we see the need for people to show up, right? But when's the last time we prayed like Paul is asking the church to pray? That God opens doors, that he speaks clearly the message of Christ. In fact, 
I want you to literally look around for a minute. You see those empty seats in here? You know, each one of those empty seats has a name on it. There's supposed to be a person in every one of those seats, right? And in fact, there was a point in your life, in my life, when one of those empty seats had your name on it. You know that? You, you remember that time? For some of you, it was a while back, right? You've always been sitting in that seat, but you weren't really sitting in the seat because you can be in the Father's house and not be in the Father's hand, right? There was a time when that seat was your seat. And aren't you glad that God opened the doors and empowered his people to speak clearly so you could hear the gospel? I mean, that's a big deal. So I want to challenge the church, and I challenge first service, I'm going to challenge us. I want you to pick the name of someone you know who needs to fill that seat, and I want you to be devoted to praying that God opens the doors and uses you, not me, not Seth, not Cassandra, you, to speak the message clearly, because you know what? As far as I read, we're all ministers of the gospel of reconciliation. We're all ambassadors for Christ. We're all called to the Great Commission, right? And I know some people are introverts. I hear that all the time. That's great. You know, most of the preachers I know are introverts. My best friend's an introvert, and he's one of the best preachers I know. That's not an excuse, because all you're saying is, I'm going to depend on my own power, That's what prayer is for. God can use and will use people who surrender to him in prayer for great things. I'm challenging us to do this. And the reason why I'm doing this is because I know it works. So from October of 2015 to February of 2017, we had over 80 baptisms at East Grand. It's a congregation of about 250 people, maybe 200 show up on a Sunday, right? And why I'm bringing this up, because the impetus to the harvest was prayer. We committed to putting a name in a, it was like a Tupperware, one of those totes, the gray ones that you get at Walmart for a dollar, not even Tupperware, it's like some generic life brand. We cut a jagged hole out of the top, we blue taped something that said compel on the front, and we committed to devote, being devoted to prayer for those names And in a 15-month period, over 80 people gave their life to Christ. Not because we were good at what we did, but because God is good at what he does. And I think that sometimes we forget that we're trying to do all the work when really God is the one who's trying to work through us. And we need to get out of the way. And I say that because up until that point, and the church is a little bit older than Glendale, there had been an average of, 15 baptisms per year for a 50-plus year stretch. And so I'm not bragging on anybody. It's not about that. It's bragging on what God can do when we do what God says we ought to do. And I'm challenging you today to look at that empty seat. One person's name. That's all I'm asking. But you are that one person. If somebody hadn't been doing that for you, you wouldn't be here. And more importantly, you wouldn't be spending eternity in the presence of God. You would be separated. And if that doesn't pierce your heart then you need to come to the altar because that's a big deal. And I know God will deliver because God always delivers because God's will cannot be stopped. We might get run over by it, but God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But what is our role after God delivers? It says in verse five and six, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations always be 
full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Paul breaks down our role quite simply. Number one, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Number two, make the most of every opportunity. Number three, let your conversations always in bold caps, always. Not most of the time, not sometimes, not when it's convenient, but always, always be full of grace and season with salt. And if we follow these three steps or these three ideas, we will know how to answer everyone. Because sometimes people are like, I should know what to say. You know what to do. Be wise. Make the most of. And always be full of grace, season with salt. So I'm going to break those three down real quick. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Rule of thumb for following this first step that Paul tells us to take is found in James 1.5, the first half of the verse. If anyone lacks wisdom, you should ask Oprah Winfrey, Dr. Phil, your grandpa, your grandma, your preacher, your elder. No, if anyone acts wisdom, they should ask, lacks wisdom, they should ask who? God. Why? Because God is the only, let me say that again, God is the only source of wisdom That exists. There is no wisdom. There is no truth outside of God. Now, other people may package it differently, but it still all came from God. And ultimately, one of the greatest ways we can know that is through the word of God, but also through prayer and through his people as they speak in his spirit. I think sometimes our world's so busy that we forget to ask him because Google seems a lot faster and easier, especially if you just ask Alexa. Right? Practical application for step one. When God opens doors, pray for wisdom before speaking or acting. That way you don't have to say, I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't done that. Just don't do it. It's really simple. I mean, there's no formula. Pray first. I mean, when you read the story of Nehemiah, if you have trouble understanding what that looks like, just read Nehemiah. You'll get a really good idea of what that looks like. And I admire him for that. Number two, make the most of every opportunity. This step is so difficult because we often get caught up in our own lives and we forget to look around and see how God is trying to work through us. So I was recently uh, talking to one of our brothers here that uh, attends, and I thought it was such a great and timely illustration. It was Sunday night. I wrote the sermon Monday morning or Monday afternoon, so it was fresh on my mind. But So last week, he's driving home. He sees somebody kind of waving people down. It's a young man, African-American man, who needs uh, to use a cell phone to call his mom. He's trying to get home. And so he, lets, he pulls over. He feels compelled to do so. He lets him use his phone. He decides, hey, let me take you home. And so he gets in the car. He knows the guy has blood in his hand. He's like, what's the deal? He's like, I punched something. I was punched something pretty hard. That's what I've been thinking. I don't know what he was thinking. But he said, hey, can I pray for you? And he said, sure. So he prayed for him. And the kid kind of did this uh, Catholic, I don't know how you do it, because even though I went to Mass a few times, I don't remember. Um, he, he did that Catholic thing, and he said, you know, you must be like the only white guy that would pick up a black kid in Springfield. So he takes him home, drops him off, and he feels like he needs to do more. So he comes into the church, he gets some materials on some ministry opportunities, brings it back, has a conversation with him and his mom. And so he's talking to me a couple of days later about it. And the kid had said to him, hey, do you do like counseling? He said, no, I'm a, that's not my profession, but I'm willing to listen. I said, give him my information, you know? 
And I'm thinking like, this is the way we make the most of our, every opportunity. I'm not saying you should stop for a stranger. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when God moves in your spirit, you do what God says. Because who knows the fruit that's going to be bore from that opportunity. We need to make the most of it. Because again, we were that empty seat at one point. So practical application to step two is have our eyes, ears, hearts, and minds open to what God is trying to use us for. And then guess what? Do something. Real simple. You can look, you can hear, you can see, you can know, but you can sit back. That's not what godly people do. So the last step, step three, it's pretty straightforward. It says, let your conversations always be full of grace and seasoned with salt. He says always, meaning in every conversation you have, be full of grace, meaning to be filled with unmerited favor, which means we need to treat people the way God treats us rather than the way we want to treat them or how we treat ourselves, right? And he says those conversations will better taste good and be life-preserving. Because that's what salt does, right? It enhances flavor and it preserves Paul puts it a little different. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, so it may bless all those who listen. And then James 1.19, it says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. When I'm quick to listen, I'll know what your needs are. And when I speak with the intention of building you up, other people are blessed by it. That's the practical application for step three. Practice Ephesians 4.29 and James 1.19. That is how your speech will always be full of grace and seasoned with salt. What do you need to to take a next step in today? Maybe, do you need to recommit to prayer? Has prayer been, are you one of those, what are they, 46% that don't pray daily? I mean, that would be a good start, right? Or maybe you're in the 25% that don't pray weekly. Maybe that would be a good start. Maybe you do pray daily. Maybe it's, now I'm going to focus on trying to pray. And every time I see something that reminds me of God, or I'm going to take time now to try to pray and be more mindful when I'm going from point A to point B, before I conversate with somebody, before I make a decision, even a simple one. Do I need to recommit to that? Do you need help not falling into temptation today? Then watch while you pray. Look for what the enemy's doing. Look for what God is doing. You need peace. The peace of God guarding your hearts and minds. Give thanks. It is that simple. When we're focused more on what we do have rather than what we don't have, we'll have peace because it's an overwhelming amount. Or maybe you need to pray for doors to open and for a clear delivery of the gospel message so that people can know the mystery of Christ. Last thing is maybe you need to work on Paul's three-step process for dealing with outsiders when God brings them into the church and into your life. I don't know what it is, and it may be all of them, and that may seem overwhelming. Pick one. You can't go wrong. But no matter what you pick up there, I do want to remind you, and I do want you to commit to the challenge There's a seat with a name that you need to assign and you need to begin devoting yourself to prayer. And you know what's going to be awesome the day when that seat 
actually has that person sitting in it, and we can celebrate and give glory to God for what he's done. Amen? Will you bow with me? Dear God, we thank you so much for your kingdom, for the opportunities we have to serve you, for the love that you lavish on us, God. And I pray that we would be motivated and compelled by that love to go and be the men and women you've called us to. I praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to another life-changing message from Glendale Christian Church. We trust that you've been challenged and enriched by the Word of God and know that you may want to share with others what the Lord has done. Please feel free to copy or give away this message so that others may experience the life-changing power of God's Word. It's our desire for you to excel in the plan that God has for you. If there's anything that we can do for you, please visit us on the web at glendalechristian.org.